You're listening to the Binge Media Podcast Network on BingeMedia.net. And now, the Binge Aftertaste. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Nothing else matters, not the mortgage, not the store, not my team and all that bullshit. For those 10 seconds or less, I'm free. Gear up, bingers. It's time for the binge movie aftertaste. Fast and Furious Retrospective. Are you serious right now? Join Matt, Garrett, and Alex as they race through the entire franchise dedicated to fast cars and furious action. Stay the fuck out of my way. Where does each host come down on the series as a whole? Would you believe I knocked him out with my charm? You that charming bitch. How has this franchise lasted this goddamn long? I need a refill. This is serious stuff. Will the hosts hate each other like The Rock and Vin Diesel by this retrospective's end? Sounds like a marriage. Yeah, but with cars, when you trade up, they don't take half your shit. Find out the answers to these questions and a whole lot more. All coming up, courtesy of Binge Media. I smell skanks. Fast Five, released April 29, 2011. Budget was $125 million with a box office gross of, get this boys, $626 million. And this movie was directed for the third consecutive time by Justin Lin. All right, listeners, we took about a month off, took a pit stop, let Garrett get some psychiatric help so we could get all of his anxieties about how much he hates this series. And we've come to a real crossroads for this series. As we mentioned, fourth film, everybody needed a gig, and it was a rousing success, at least commercially. Critically, it did do so well. But it showed that the property still had some staying power, and people would go and see it with the crew being reassembled, so to speak. So how do you top that? Well, let's address the 300-pound Samoan elephant in the room, boys. It was a suggestion on Twitter, because you cannot make this shit up. Somebody said in this internet world of brilliant people that, why don't you just put the rock at Fast and Furious? And some desperate executive at Universal, trying to save his ass, said, you know what? That's not a bad idea. And lo and behold, Dwayne Johnson joined this franchise, which garnered a lot of Outside eyes from people who were not fans of this series certainly increased the commercial aspects of this series. So, Alex, you're a fan of this franchise. By this point, we're on number five. Mm -hmm. Was adding The Rock a sign of good faith for you? Did that excite you whatsoever? This is Brazil! Sorry, I just had to get that out here. That's how excited I am about this show. I was excited just because it's The Rock. He's already made the jump into action films. He's become something of a marquee figure himself. And I think that after the shittiness that was the fourth film, uh, not a big fan of that, as we know, I think that's what we needed. This needed an injection of something new. And I think we got it. 
definitely think we got it with uh, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, he's definitely the jumper cables to this franchise because he provided it jolt. So, Garrett, you and I were big wrestling fans around these parts. So, obviously, you and I have a lot of familiarity with The Rock. Probably shouldn't call him that at this point because let's remember, 30 publicists had to die for him to be called Dwayne Johnson exclusively. (laughs) So... Were you curious that he was going to be stepping into this franchise, you know, seemingly going against Vin Diesel? Then again, every time we say The Rock, I think Alex will probably have to pay him about 25 grand. So let's just keep doing it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know what? Yeah, because I have said that on the three of the four previous podcasts, there's not one likable character in this entire bunch. There's not one person that I like. This was the jolt that I think the franchise did need. Now, it's more testosterone than probably the screen can handle, and we'll talk about that. But the thing was, even that wasn't enough to get me in the theater. Again, didn't see this in theaters. I heard Alex and Law, they talked about it on the Jolo movie show for a while, and their excitement kind of was like, oh, maybe I'll make it to the theater, but I never did end up going. It was a shot to the arm. I was excited to kind of get to it when I did my original watch of this series, but it wasn't enough to get me to the theater can't say that i saw this in the theater either i still had not warmed over to this franchise and when i say warmed over i mean laid out in the sun and got skin cancer because i'm a raving fan of this series for the most part but speaking of new hotness one of the things that also benefited this movie not just adding the rock but it was really a reunion for a lot of other characters who had been established in this franchise you know this was really bringing everything full circle as far as making some of the lesser entries important you know bringing back pre-established mm-hmm. characters and boys we talked about how in 2001 point break was a glaring influence on the fast and the furious almost to a fault let's talk about where this franchise pulled from next because there's a little franchise called the oceans trilogy that started in the 2000s which were they're all about you know these sexy leading hollywood men doing these elaborate heists that you don't feel like they're in any danger and they're just there to have fun. Somebody watched the Oceans movies and said, hey, let's do that with Fast and Furious because they shifted from doing street racing to this is a full-blown heist movie, heist slash action hybrid. Now, they wanted to do this to also, again, much like adding The Rock, bring in a bigger audience who's like, eh, I'm just not a car guy, but I want to see you know them steal stuff. So it was a welcome addition, if you ask me. Yeah, well, from what I hear, this was all Justin Lin's idea because fourth one did gangbusters and Justin Lin was the one who said, you know what? And I called this out last podcast. These guys are too old to fucking be street racing. Uh, He said, let's not make this about a backlot street race. Let's just make this a full on heist movie. And executives balked at it. They did not want to do that. The formula was working. Why change that up? I commend him for at least trying to do something different with this cast. Now, logically, where they take this cast, we'll talk about. But I did like the fact that he he wanted to change it up. He saw exactly what I saw, that, dude, these guys shouldn't be racing anymore. Let's do something else with them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was, an, yeah, it was a natural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a natural progression. I think it it just wore out. You're you're totally right. I think the racing thing it worked for the first movie, uh, second movie. Uh, you know, it, it, we see it start to progress into more of guys on a mission than just a street race, and I, I think it was naturally going to go this way anyway. Speaking of natural, oh, natural, if you will, mm. and I'm not talking about the rocks muscles. There was also the idea that Vin Diesel had, because let's not lose sight of the fact this franchise is his baby, for better or for worse. Uh, Also also, also reinforcing the Daddy Dom uh, structure that we've set up. I'm I'm still trying to hammer this home. Both in front and behind the scenes. (laughs) (laughs) 
the Godfather Diesel talked about how <laughs> he envisioned one, four, and five as a trilogy, and sort of this would be a logical conclusion if they chose to stop making movies. And then they saw the box office returns and said, all right, let's, yeah. let's keep this going. But there was an idea of why don't we make this the last one in, in Diesel's mind. But obviously we got four, let's see, six, seven, eight, Hobbs and Shaw and nine. We got five movies to go after this. So this is the halfway mark. You know, the, the checkered flag has come up. So we're approaching the second lap. So I have no additional preamble because I imagine this conversation is going to take on a mind of its own. So I think we should just jump right in. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, that sigh has me dreading this conversation. Oh, I'm so excited. Speaking of picking things up, this movie takes place, unlike all the other sequels, this one is a direct sequel. As in, it takes place like 30 seconds after the last one ends. Yeah, but before we get to where it takes place, you gotta say, Matt, the very first shot of this film, you get the Jesus shot. You get the shot, the, the revolving shot around Jesus. And yeah, that's going to be the a first of huge many shots. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, <laughs> they do this shot a lot in this movie. They had uh, the helicopter for one day. So they just shot <laughs> for 24 hours. And they're like, that's all we got a helicopter for. That's it. <laughs> got her Jesus helicopter. So many yep. Jesus metaphors. I half expected to see Zack Snyder's name at the end of this movie. Oh, yeah. Is there a Snyder cut of this? I hope so. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> There is an extended cut of this movie. Oh, no. There is. It's on my blu And guess yeah, what? Is oh, is it? Part. And oh, guess yeah. what? Nice. You know how much longer it is? Hmm. One minute. <laughs> Don't ask me what the additions are, because I couldn't tell you. Yeah. So, Dom, if you recall at the end of the last movie, he got 25 to life, despite mm-hmm. helping break down a notorious drug kingpin. They throw the book at him, and he's on his way to Lompoc Prison by bus, and we see Mia, Ryan, and the other two guys. I don't think these guys are even mean. I think they're Leo and Leo and Santos. That's their names. I had to look that up for the record because they're basically like, you know, because everyone kind of has an allegory to the Oceans characters. They're the, uh, the, the brothers, yeah. Casey Affleck and yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, that's a good Scott Kahn. Yeah. And there's some characters who are kind of composites, but that's a conversation we can have a little bit later. But they bust Dom out of prison and by doing so, kill every single person on this bus. <laughs> I was going to because... say, yeah. the slip should have killed everybody, right? I mean, this is, oh, God, this yeah. is insane. <laughs> the body and, count and just is... get, keeps getting higher every I know every iteration of this film. It's amazing. Because yeah, nobody's wearing seatbelts. I also love how this has Grand Theft Auto physics where a bus trips over a car. Yep. Mm-hmm. That was correct. I love the physics in this world. Like I said, you have to look at this as an alternate reality from ours. You know why? The news reporters come on right afterwards and say, remarkably, there were zero casualties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Including fucking Pert Hapley from Parks and Rec shows yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely he did. I'm reporting I, I on this crash. I am reporting on this crash, and a crash is what I'm reporting on. Right back to you. I'll give the movie this. It immediately sets the tone that you cannot question the physics of anything you were going to see from this point. They also know who exactly busted him out. They have their uh, mugshots all set up there. You know, they show Brian. They show everybody. Oh, yeah. Well, let's not forget, this also takes place in a reality, as we'll see later on, where you can use facial recognition software even though the person is wearing a mask. This shit's almost sci-fi. What, what it, you it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll say the flips are, it's nice to look at. I mean, if you like this action stuff, the way that the bus flips and stuff, I, I'm guessing it was mostly practical because Lynn mm-hmm. is big on, he wants to do as much yeah. practical as possible. Definitely. I think it defines this entire movie, as you said, Matt, but to me, it just says too much, too much. I think that's the kind of metaphor I want to go with. If there's one thing you can say about this franchise, you cannot say the words, they did too much. 
if you ask me. I feel like at the end of this film, after they see the box office receipts and everything, they're like, of course, we're going to do another one. Also, um, I don't think we did enough. We didn't go big enough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like how they've adopted from once Justin Lin came on board. Mm -hmm. They seem to have adopted the Mission Impossible philosophy of we have to top ourselves with every subsequent movie. Sure. Mm -hmm. Because this movie, let's not forget, it also came out the same year as Ghost Protocol, which had the Burj Khalifa sequence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I think these movies are, both of them are pretty important for their respective franchises. But what's also important is the status quo has officially been changed because Brian is officially on the run. He is no longer a cop. We don't have to deal with this ever again. So they're hiding out in Rio. We see Mia and Brian after they freed Dom. They're sort of waiting for him to come back. And of all the characters I expected to show up, Vince would not have been one of them. Because we have not seen him since the first movie. Yeah, we haven't seen him since the first movie. I do Mm -hmm. like the continuity they do. His arm is still burned from that first film. I thought that was a nice little touch. Oh, I didn't even uh, notice that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like he's he's been eating well since the first movie. <laughs> oh, he's living high on the hog, isn't he? Oh, my God. Oh, and, and like, he, I almost didn't recognize him. He's got the whole favela on lockdown. I mean, <laughs> Brian and Mia show up. You know, they got all these guns around, all these dudes around them. You know, they're pulling yeah. guns. And then yep. here comes Vince. You know, everyone stands down. Yeah, apparently, you know, he's, I wouldn't call him well off, but he, he's he's adapted. He talks about how he's moved from shithole to shithole, but he's got a family. Because let's not forget, not just Dom's family, everyone associated with Dom is family. Sure. He, he really is the godfather. <sighs> if you are associated with me in any way, you're family, despite, no matter how much you may piss me off. Yeah, and this guy was Brian's public enemy number one in the first film. So it was mm-hmm. kind of weird to see Brian and Mia pull up to this house. And again, I didn't remember a fucking thing from this, honestly, mm-hmm. except for the Rock's one-liners. But <laughs> he comes up, and here he comes. I'm like, wow, didn't you fucking hate him? Like, yeah. this, is the, yep. this is your sanctuary? Well, they keep that consistent because he still has some animosity towards him. Not really, though, because he invites him in. If I hated this guy as much as he did in the first one, I would want him to get the fuck out. Yeah, Only because he has to. And let's not forget, he did save his life. That's true. Right, yeah. And he's mostly doing it for me. It seems like so long ago. Yeah. Well, it is because Paul Walker, he's aged 10 years. Like, he he looks like he's aged 10 years. Like, he looks like a man now. Mia's also there, so that was a big point of contention between the both, uh, both of those dudes, right. Brian and Vince, was because of Mia. You know, they both were mm-hmm. like, "She's my property," and then they start fighting in the street and shit. So Vince sort of brings them up to speed on a job that he has lined up for him, stealing three cars from a train. He says it's pretty straightforward, and unlike the last movie, which really doesn't have that many big set pieces, this movie's chock full of action. And creative action, I will say. It's almost like they really made a conceited effort to make this the most action-packed of all of them. There's at least four or five pretty big set pieces throughout this entire movie. And they're scattered throughout. I don't think it's like, I don't know, like a contemporary like Bad Boys 2 where it's just constant. I think they do a good job. Yeah, and I want to give this movie a compliment where I wouldn't compliment any other movie. When they're sitting talking and doing exposition, I'll go ahead and say I do not like this movie. But... The action scenes, which is stuff is just like, to me, like I mentioned in the Bad Boys movies, it just got to be kind of excessive, Transformers especially. I'm grooving to it. I do really enjoy this on-screen poetry that they're doing with this car, and then it goes off this cliff. This is just insane stuff, but I'm really digging it. And, of course, we get Dom's reappearance. (laughs) The big reveal. Through the the fucking light. Yeah, oh yeah it's it's almost oh god it, it's backlit so... like crazy and <laughs> yeah he's got the sun <laughs> gleaming on his own oh dome. my god well here, here's the thing that i i think is important to to mention to the to the listening audience right now is that you know I, i'll speak for myself and matt you know we talked about how we're fans of this franchise and whatnot it has zero to do with vin diesel 
It has nothing to do with, well, at least I'll say for myself, it has nothing to do with Vin Diesel. I am just way more fascinated by his ego and how much <laughs> you can tell he had input into the Chris Morgan script of he's got to be, once again, he's Daddy Dom. Everyone's got to kowtow to him. Everyone's looking for his approval. He's got the best action sequences. I'm just fascinated by the guy's ego. And it has nothing to do with his acting. His dialogue is terrible. I like the series in spite of him. He also has a Hulk Hogan contract where he cannot lose clean. <laughs> Jesus. And that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Absolutely. But, and, and he is the guy who, I mean, come on, he holds this crew together. He's held this film crew together, too. You know, he's he's the one who's brought everybody back. And like you said, Alex, it's his baby, pretty much, even after he completely denounced it for the second one. Right. So it, it, it's weird that he's coming back and he's kind of spearheading the entire thing and he's the head of it. But yet, you know, his attempts to redo Bond failed. Almost every other thing he's done outside the Fast and Furious franchise has failed. And yet here he is kind of the head of everything. While I agree that Diesel's ego can be running rough shot, I think what works about it in this movie, you know, this opening heist where they're stealing the cars, it goes wrong because Dom calls an audible. The whole reason why this plot occurs is because Dom fucks up. He's not Mr. Perfect in this movie to make a third wrestling Alan Boy. <laughs> so how does he fuck up exactly? Basically, Brian and Mia are on the train. They realize there's DEA agents and the cars are you know, assets from them. So Dom realizes that two of the guys that Vince has hired that basically is working in coordination with, they only want a Mustang for reasons we'll find out later. And Dom says, Mia, you go somewhere else. We'll catch up with you later. And that's when the other guy's like, wait, what are you doing? That's not part of the deal. So Dom's quote unquote family <laughs> is the whole reason why this thing goes haywire. Garrett, do you like the method in which they extract these vehicles onto that little flatbed that they're driving you know, parallel to the to the train? You guys mentioned that you guys got a lot of Ocean's Eleven from this, and yes, there are hints of that. But I got a real Mad Max vibe from this, mm-hmm. and uh, preview for if we ever do that series. If you give me a Mad Max vibe, I'm digging it. Yeah, I thought this was kind of cool, actually. I, I thought, come on, it's a setup for what's happening. Don't get me wrong. I mean, this is all piling onto each other for the action scene we're going to get as a result. But I didn't mind it. Yeah, I, I just like that fast kind of uh, oh, that yeah. snap of the chain. Oh, yeah. You know, like bringing yeah, the, the... Especially the... if you have a system in your house and, I mean, it just fucking echoes around your house. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was pretty cool. Also, to extend the suspension of disbelief, you know, this is a alternate universe. Physics doesn't work like it does here in, on this earth. There's no way these cars, which my lovely wife pointed out, there's no way any of these cars are driving anywhere near the way they do on that terrain. There's just no fucking... They would be trash, especially at yeah. that high rate of speed. They would yeah. be fuck, fucking trash. You know, once uh, Daddy Dom gets into the car and, you know, he, he he's driving it parallel along with the train, that thing would be tore to fucking pieces. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, again... That's a great the, call that I actually didn't think about when I was this, watching this. But the yeah, suspension you're, you're of disbelief. Right. And again, you, you know, we mentioned mm-hmm. this in... I don't know if it was the last movie or the one before, or... Maybe the second one. Stealing these cars in order to resell them. I mean, you're going to be spending way more to fix them up after all this shit. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, it, it just I don't, again, we, we gotta suspend this belief there. Don't and, question and, and anything here. Yeah, and I mean, and come on, if you're gonna go that far, I mean, how many lives does fucking Dom's charger have at this point? I mean, sure, this fucking thing's been dead and come back to life more than Jason Voorhees at this point. It is, it's crazy how many lives this car has. Yeah. I don't know. The suspension of disbelief does go a little far, and I'll go ahead and say, no matter what I say about the end of this movie, this movie still has every single problem i had with the previous films there's nobody i like on screen right except for maybe the rock we'll get to him Mm -hmm. um all these plot holes are you could drive a fucking truck through these plot holes there's still every single problem i have with the previous films is as i was going into this movie Mm -hmm. my question was will i still have a good time as a result of it and up to this point i am yeah, and he's shipping the Dodge fucking all around the world. Like, wherever he goes, he just, yeah, just ship the Dodge. No I mean, Jesus. I mean, we could go on and on about this. I, mean. I know. That's why I love it. I love I love nitpicking movies so much. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, these are goldmine. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because I, I was going to bring up, since we're all taking our pot shots, how these two guys could drive a car off a cliff going 100 miles an hour, hit the water at that speed, and are 100% okay. That's not how water yeah. works. No, not at all. They come out of the <laughs> no. water and they're like, Whoa. I thought about that too. Yeah. Like I see them go off this cliff and they nosedive right into the water. I'm thinking, okay, how are they going to get out of this? We're going to have a whole scene of them getting out. Nope, they just pop up out of the water. They pop up like, oh, shit. Wow. Fuck, that That was yeah. crazy. And then, you know. That was a minor surrounded. inconvenience. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this, um, like I said, this takes place in a world where humans are considerably more durable than they are in real life. Very, yeah, yeah. Mm, yep. But Brian and Dom, after they somehow survive this fall, they get captured by Reyes, who's the big bad of this movie. He's a drug lord who claims to be a legitimate businessman, pretty much owns the streets of Rio, which we'll talk about more a little bit later on. And we get what you think is going to be a torture scene because they're all, they're both hung yeah. up. I half expected Daniel Craig and Martin Campbell to show up and be like, guys, we got to shoot five minutes. Get, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, I thought, Alex, you and I and Jack were going to be doing Lethal Weapon. I thought of that scene in Lethal Weapon when Mel Gibson's getting tortured. He's all chained up. Like, I thought maybe they're mm-hmm. going to electrocute them or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But he tells them, look, I need to know where that car is. But because they're two shades away from having capes, they escape, get back to their hideout. And we get angry Dom because... Let's not forget, one thing Vin Diesel can do is yell. Yeah. yeah. And he does that a lot in this movie. Yeah, Dad's upset. Dad's really upset. You know, he (laughs) one of his crews let him down. We kind of glossed over how they break out. And I'm starting to get the feeling that this might be one of our longest shows in this franchise, (laughs) if we're going to be stopping. Well, this is the longest movie up to this point. Yeah, true, true. Uh, Two hours and 11 minutes, or 12 minutes, Mm -hmm. if it's uh, the Blu-ray, the extended cut. (laughs) He fucking, he just breaks the chains. I know. He literally just snaps fucking chains. He's suspended in the air with his arms up. Him and Brian are both chained up. He just snaps them. Gets out of there like it's nothing. Daddy Dom to the rescue once again. Yep. So Daddy Dom's all upset that Vince... And he's deservedly upset because he's like, why did you bring glorified hitmen that agreed to work with you? That clearly had different motives than we did. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Vince yeah. hasn't learned much over the years, has he? Like, no, no, he's not. He's Although not. he looks more like Leif Schreiber than he did in the first one. Oh, that great call, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's full saber-tooth mode here. Oh, my God, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so they cut back to Reyes, and he has uh, this meeting with two businessmen. He talks about how he's successful because he adopted the Portuguese method 
in Brazil, not the Spanish method. Because when the conquistadors came over, they basically tried guns a-blazing, firing the cannons, kill everybody. Didn't work. But because he gives people jobs and he controls the power, he controls the oil, pretty much controls the entire city, he basically owns everybody. So that's how he's able to stay in power. I don't want to accuse this movie of social commentary, Mm -hmm. but I'm surprised they're giving a villain this level of quote-unquote complexity. I was not expecting a villain monologue about his worldview in a Fast mm. and Furious movie. Yeah, and his rationale makes sense, too. That his whole monologue about, you know, the Portuguese and the Spanish, it all makes sense in terms of building a loyal base in those favelas where people are, you know, obviously really poor and, you know, money's hard to come by. And he's able to, to earn their loyalty through giving them gifts and keeping them fed, I guess. So we find out through Vince sneaking around that Reyes was actually after not the car itself, but there was a computer chip inside the car and he gets caught by Dom and he goes, I almost wish I didn't see that. And I'm like, God damn it. Vin, can you at least put the mic closer to him? Cause half of his dialogue of this is inaudible. Yeah. He's not yelling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Once again, like the last film, I had to put the subtitles on because you're right, Matt. Half the time you don't hear a fucking word he's saying. He definitely did ADR for some of these scenes. Yeah. Oh, he had to. He mm. barely moves his lips. Yeah. And I get it. You know, I've had a, quite a few grapes in my mouth in my time. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to fucking talk, but you have a couple of grapes in your mouth. The MacGuffin of this, the chip. Oh, boy. This this fucking thing. Everybody's yes. chasing this fucking yeah. thing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And at this point, we still don't know what's on it. It's just we know Reyes wants it back and Vince is doing it to sort of get back in his good graces so he doesn't get murdered. So if you're someone who is a little getting worn down by the some would call monotone deliveries of Vin Diesel, the most electrifying man in sports entertainment shows up. And we're introduced to Luke Hobbs, played by Dwayne Johnson, who might as well like drop kick the screen when he shows up because he's just no nonsense. DSS agent is like, I need this. Here's all the information you guys need to know. I love how he's like, don't let him get in the cars. <laughs> he's done his homework. Guys, am I am I wrong? Dwayne Johnson's a fucking huge dude. Am I wrong oh, yeah. to think that he gets bigger in these movies? He's a he fucking does. house. I mean, yeah, he's he's, a- he's big in this film. And, yeah. you know, bigger than when he was uh, wrestling. But mm-hmm. I think in the sequels, he, he gets even bigger in these films. <laughs> yes, he does. It's fucking impossible. In between five and six, he purposely bulked up even more for Hercules. Because mm-hmm. remember God. when he thought he was going to launch that franchise again? Yeah, I don't know, man. When when I see him on screen, I mean, I was kicking myself. I put cars revving up as the stingers for the series, and I wish I had put "Give me the damn veggies" as one of the fucking blooper, <laughs> blooper stingers when he says that line. I mean, he does own the screen here. I also noticed that they got their one PG thirteen mandated fuck out of the way when in this opening scene. You know, I thought yes, that was, that's true. Yeah. That was kind of cool. Matt, you telling me that this was supposed to be Tommy Lee Jones at the end of the last podcast that we did on Fast and Furious? I was like, God damn, Tommy Lee Jones already played this. Fight. And that was Multiple times. 20 years before this. Yeah, exactly. Multiple times. He played that role a lot in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God, were they really going to go that route? But yeah, I think The Rock owns the screen here. I'm not just saying that as a wrestling fan. So the three female listeners we had are already gone because we've made too many wrestling in this podcast but i like his charisma it is much needed i think we get just enough of him anymore and i would probably be wishing him off the screen but they use him just enough yeah yeah and they, they definitely pull we're gonna check every outhouse doghouse but you know they definitely pull yeah. from that you know the fact that Tommy lee jones was considered for this and then they still pull that from the fugitive is it's so fucking bad 
Well, yeah. speaking of fugitive pulls, we got both a train accident and a bus crash that involves a prisoner escape. Oh, oh shit, yeah. Yeah, good call. I had no idea this was the spiritual sequel to The Fucking Fugitive. It's a better sequel to The Fugitive than the one that they actually made. <laughs> With Wesley Snipes, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Robert Downey Jr. But Hobbs comes in, he's like, all right, I'm going after these guys. I need a translator. So he gets Elena, who's a police officer whose husband got killed. So she's sort of his right arm to help him adjust to Rio because he's he might as well be waving an American flag when he shows up. Being like, <laughs> I am here to represent the United States and bring justice to Rio. With his on again, <laughs> off again accent too. Kept on going yeah. in and out. Oh, yeah. And I, and I like the accent. I'm like, why didn't he just keep that? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't take too long because the next scene, Brian and Dom look through the chip. They realize that Reyes uses the chip to keep track of all of his backdoor dealings that he makes off his drug money. So it's about $100 million that he stashes in a bunch of safe houses. But before they can divulge it, figure out where exactly everything is, Hobbs and crew show up and we get a pretty cool chase scene through the rooftops of Rio slash shootout with not just the DSS, but you also have all Reyes's people that he's bought out on the streets like the gangs opening fire on cops. Yeah, Matt, before you go any further, Brian and Dom, you guys have been mentioning at least once per show about how these guys, they kind of have a homoerotic thing going on between them. I've kept quiet during those discussions because I didn't really see it. As Mm -hmm. of this movie, I see it now. These two exchanged more loving glances during this movie. These would make Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks blush, the mm-hmm. way they, they fucking look at each other. It's, it's, it's insane. I didn't see it until this film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're not wrong, but also I think their chemistry gets better with every movie. And I don't say that in a romantic sense. I think camaraderie-wise, they're at their best here. Because they don't argue in this movie at all. No, they're not each other's throats in this, which I do think helps both characters. I agree with you. But fucking uh, Paul Walker still has that that shit-eating grin every single time. Yes. He's fucking Georgiana Brewster. Wouldn't you have that? (laughs) He's like, I'm fucking my best friend's sister. And, he, and I, he's not going to kill me. I think but it's Alex, more... Am I the only one who caught this? Even when he's mad, like he still has that, that, yes. that fucking grin he had when he was looking at Eva Mendez. It, it's, know, it's so weird. I think that weird grin is... I think that's actually Paul Walker. I don't think it's him acting. I think that's him going, I'm getting paid so much fucking money for this <laughs> bullshit. And I can't even act. I think well, it's a little bit of self-awareness. He made these movies to, much like his character, like the heist, he did it to, for the paycheck so he could go live his life and do what he wanted to do. God bless him. Raise his kid and spend time on the... He really was Johnny Utah in real life because he, mm-hmm. he surfed. The one question I do have with this chase, how exactly does Dom lose his necklace? Oh, because yes. I was not expecting this to be as much of a MacGuffin <laughs> as the fucking computer shit. This $20 fucking necklace becomes an integral part of the story. <laughs> Garrett's disappointment. <laughs> it, so, it, I, I don't just, even know. It, I don't think it's disappointment because it's not like you had high hopes for it and it let you down. No, it, it's not. But here's the thing. I kind of did have high hopes for this because all the talk and this movie is the big reason why Matt wanted to do this series. I mean, he. Mm-hmm. He has talked this movie up to me for a while. And look, I'm I'm saying that there are parts that I do like, but shit like this, like this is stuff that should have gone away. Like this is this is stuff that they were doing that didn't work in the previous films, at least narratively, but they're still doing this bullshit and it and it just it's so stupid. Yeah, I, I tend to think that that the film is for 
And the franchise is for like you know car dude bros that need hot chicks, and you know it's not not saying anything that isn't new here, but it's not the reason why I like it. I mean, this is, these are spectacle films. I'd like them in spite of it, in spite of their own bullshit that they're putting forth. They're just fun to fucking pick apart and talk shit about. But there are people out there that really believe in the La Familia Salud. You know, they believe in that shit, and I just can't imagine. Ever coming across people like that in my personal life. It's just very strange to me. And I'm fascinated by it. I don't really hate it all that yeah, much. I'm just fucking fascinated by it. People that would take this seriously. Yeah, and Alex, that was one of the things you had mentioned in your first review of this all those years mm-hmm. ago. And that's what kind of made me fascinated to kind of watch this. This stuff is just so in your face. And this movie is the longest movie of the f- series. I don't know if it's the longest movie in the franchise, but at least mm-hmm. so far, nope. it's the longest. And <laughs> no. there are times like these these, these me familiar scenes and all this shit. This shit should have been fucking cut. This movie should have been under two hours. Oh, God. I'll be that guy. Of all them, I think this one is by far the best paced. I, I, like, I agree with that. Yeah, totally. I don't feel there's a lot of fat on this movie, which is surprising considering how many components there are in it. But I agree with Alex also in that I find it impossible to take these movies serious on any semblance of a dramatic level. Any. I, I sort of look at it as the dude bro version of daytime soap operas, mm-hmm. where you absolutely enjoy it for what it thinks it is versus what it actually is. And considering how many unlikable characters that Garrett finds, I have expected him to sit in his chair watching these like Emperor Palpatine just going, them out, all of them. It's like, I want them all to die. Well, they're not doing anything to make me like them. But Alex, you're saying it, and Matt, you just said it too. They're appealing to the dude bros out there. And Matt, you've been talking the series up, and I'm glad to be experiencing them with you. But when I don't have a character to grasp onto, even The Rock, who he's definitely a likable presence on screen, but I don't get any depth out of them. I kind of tune out when I don't see a character I don't like, although the action scenes are pretty badass. So Mm -hmm. that's a really weird line to walk, which I have never experienced while I watched a movie for this podcast. In the years we've been doing this, I've never felt this way where everything around me I don't like, but the stuff I always rebel against, I am liking. It's a really weird contrast. Mm -hmm. Just when you thought this franchise couldn't do more about family, Mia reveals to Brian that she's pregnant with his child, and it makes you cringe every time she does big action scenes in this movie. Yeah, and we saw her hold a kid earlier. They were foreshadowing this for a while. Even right after that, Vince's wife is like, so does he know? So we kind of got a hint then that this was coming up, that this reveal was happening, and she's been kind of trying to tell him. The fact that Brian's becoming a father, maybe that'll give us depth for next week. I don't remember last week's film at all, Uh, but... (laughs) I don't know. It, <laughs> it, didn't, it was just like, oh, okay, so we have another excuse to keep her out of action scenes. But she's more part of the action than ever in this. Exactly. So it, was just, yeah. it was really weird. Yeah, exactly, this is yeah. the most she gets to do by far. Yeah. But, then, but there comes a point in the movie where she's just person in chair who tells them where to go. Yeah, it, yeah, it just seems like halfway through, through they were like, oh, fuck, we need another person because obviously she can't be doing all the action scenes going for. Oh, and then we get that mid credit scene. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, let's not jump the gun too far. No, no. Nope, we got to talk about much. them talking about their dads because <sighs> this is a movie about family <sighs> and fatherhood ultimately. So we got to hear them talk about, you know, he's like, they used to have barbecues every Sunday after church. And, you know, I think it's fine for what this franchise is. It's nothing too deep. But there is a part in your head where it's like, do you guys realize that no one is taking this seriously on a dramatic level? Yeah, that's what's so confusing to me and again so fascinating is that it shouldn't be taken serious 
and for some reason it is <laughs> and it's so confusing to me because the these scenes are terrible i mean this dad yeah. talk is fucking horrendous once you think that dom talking about and of course he remembers everything about his dad i remember yeah. everything about my dad once you think that's bad then paul walker starts talking and like within <laughs> seconds i'm zoned out i don't even know what he's fucking talking about he doesn't have yeah, it yet who realizes who doesn't realize how bad these scenes are are vin diesel himself <laughs> oh yeah dude he fucking loves it and he's just yeah he's basking in the glory well, I picture him in the editing booth over the oh, editor's so right. shoulder watching the, the film reel. And he's oh, like, yeah. dude, put you're down so a subtitle right. that says, for your consideration. <laughs> dude, you're so right. I can fucking totally see that happening. So anyway, after the dad talk, they talk about how let's finally buy our freedom by robbing Reyes for everything he's worth. And Dom's like, I'm tired of running. This is our meal ticket. But in order to do so, we got to assemble a crew. And they... <sighs> They give off a roll call where they say, you know, we need someone who's a fast talker. We need someone who's good with tech. We need someone who can blend in. This is where we get the full family reunion. We got Han coming back. We got Giselle coming back. Oh, God. And then we got Tej, who I was very happy to see. Although, if you go back and watch Too Fast to Furious, you're like, the guy who owned a garage is a tech wizard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. None of this. None of this makes any sense. Alex, I know you are a sucker for these montages. And You're right. Yeah. They did this montage for Alex and Alex only. <laughs> when exactly? When exactly did Han become a chameleon? They're mentioning that all these people have these abilities that they need to pull this thing off. When in essence, at the very end of the day, the final scene of this movie could have happened with just Dom and Brian. You're absolutely like, right. They don't need any of these fucking people. The only reason they're bringing them back is so that people can say, "Oh yeah, I remember him. I remember her. It's so good to see them again." None of these people coming back makes any sense. A fast talking fucking Tej? No, this was just this was so fucking stupid. Well, the fast talking I was was Roman. Disagree. Roman was the fast. Oh, talking. Roman. I'm well, sorry. Uh, yeah. no, but you but you're not wrong because he's fast talking, but he's terrible at it. And this is going to, spoiler alert, this is going to continue through uh, a couple other movies. He's terrible at his job. I don't have too much of a problem with Tej. I mean, just I I like Luda. He's just very charismatic on screen. He's very chill. He's not over the top the way that Tyrese is. You know, he's not like, uh, you know, jumping for the spotlight or anything like that. The whole Han thing is fucking ridiculous. I love the Han character. We see him in full Mm -hmm. fucking rusty from Ocean's mode. You know, still... Chewing on chips. Now we get a backstory for that for some fucking reason. Um, but he doesn't even do his job. Giselle is the one that no. does the fucking job. She's the one that fucking yeah. completes the mission there or the task uh-huh. at hand. And goddamn, I, it, you know, the whole point of her completing the task is to get her in a bikini, which I was I not mean, I, I, fucking exactly. complaining whatsoever. Because she looks fantastic. But she has no ass. <laughs> it's coming from a gay guy. Um, <laughs> well, we better trust him then. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sitting there going, like, I don't get why why Reyes would go nuts over her. I mean, like, obviously in the face, she's gorgeous. But if she turned sideways, she'd become transparent and you wouldn't be able to see her. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. scene was so fucking stupid. It's just like, it, it just gave her something to do. When they're talking and she goes, I'll handle it or whatever she says. And she gets up and she reveals her bikini and she walks up. This is a precursor to her becoming a superhero. She, she's revealing her <laughs> superhero The Wonder Woman music starts playing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they had the Hans Zimmer guitar going in the background. I mean, this was just fucking stupid. This is how they get the handprint, really. Oh, God. Okay. So I think they justify bringing in a crew under this assumption that stealing from 10 different locations but when the plan changes, I question their involvement after a certain point. Mm-hmm. 
But also, I think they're needed just because Reyes has so many people under his thumb between the cops and his own like private gang army mm-hmm. that the, the more hands you have, the better. So I, I think, you know, this is where they steal part and parcel from the Ocean's movies. You got the two, um, you know, Leo and Santos come back. Like I mm-hmm. said, might as well be Casey Affleck and Scott Kahn. Although I love the, when are you going to give Martin Luther King his car back? As soon as you give Rick James his jacket back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing too. The shit talking is wholesome. That's the thing that I got from this rewatch is the camaraderie. It's all about the camaraderie, man. It's all about the camaraderie. They go after each other, but it's not too serious. You know what I mean? They'll talk shit about, you know, you pull up in Martin Luther King's car, you know, give Rick James's jacket back. But then they laugh and they shake hands. It's like, oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's it's like our, it's like every binge get together. Exactly. Like, one thing that was weird, Tyrese was filming Dark of the Moon, uh, Transformers Dark of the Moon, the exact same time he was doing this, which shows because he has not much of a role here except one scene of him talking shit pretty much. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of funny that Tyrese was this much in demand. He was doing two things at once. <laughs> it's also weird that when Giselle and Han come back and they're like, we got the fingerprint. Like, where is it? And, you know, she hands her or, or she hands him, you know, the bikini bottoms. And he's uh-huh. like, how did you do it? Did you do, you know, did you grab it? Did you do this? Did you do that? But then he uses that same joke on Mia, Mia. And, and Brian when they tell them that, that she's pregnant and they immediately start laughing. They weren't there for that joke. How would they know? Ah, nitpicking again. So step one of their plan is to rob one of his warehouses, but not take the money. They burn it to send a message because this is going to cause Reyes to consolidate all of his safe houses into one big one so they find out that because he owns the town and this is a great reveal the way they built this up they cut to the police station Mm -hmm. because you're like oh shit how are they going to get in there now like for a heist component you got to put every obstacle in front of them i'm someone who hates the oceans movies because there's a certain smugness with all of them and every single time there's an obstacle it's always revealed oh this was part of the plan all along i hate that (laughs) shit those movies i hate all three of them but here i like how there's actual things they have to solve and not everything goes their way well i wouldn't use the term great like you use but i i I do like that there are obstacles in their way and daddy dom is not as perfect as he thinks which is established in the first action of the movie as we said Hmm. i've been throwing so many critiques at this movie i will give a compliment here one thing i like that lynn does is uh, what he does with subtitles in this movie. They're not your normal, let's show you what they're saying on the bottom of the screen subtitle. They move back and forth, almost mm-hmm. like cars, when people are talking in a different language. It was something I'd never seen before, and I, and I kind of dug the style. You know, Lynn's still bringing his style here. He's still bringing some flair, some stuff that I like. Storytelling-wise, we're talking about it, but I do like what Lynn's doing with the direction. Yeah, yeah. So you gotta, everyone's got to earn their way, and it starts with Roman trying to infiltrate, drops off a box to the... Station and what's in the box? Speaking of Brad Pitt, what's in the box? A little remote car because not only are there full size cars that they use, they got to use little tiny RC cars because mm-hmm. they have no shame. Yep. And Matt, we just talked about an RC car for films. And yes, we <laughs> did. <Toy> Story. <laughs> so this is right up your alley, you guys. Shit out. Yeah, <laughs> right well, Tej and Roman might as well be Ducky and Bunny. Oh yeah. So part of their act of sabotage is to cause the toilets to go shits up. And it, it, just, just shit smears all over the wall. Ugh. So the, the two brothers break in. And they Kinda realize Michael that. Bay-ish. 
that's kind of yeah. Like, I got a Michael Bay feeling from this. And you mentioned Ted. You know, um, I didn't even mention Ludacris in this. And I mentioned that one of the only things I did like about Too Fast, Too Furious was Ludacris. Right. Yeah. He's tempered down here. Of yeah. all the characters, I wanted to see kind of amped up. Again, he's just not a real integral part of the story. Mm-mm. Well, let's not forget also in the second one they reveal that he talks about how I don't drive anymore. So they kept character consistency with that. Because mm-hmm. he said he hit a car at like 100 miles an hour. Yeah. And yeah, that that would scare you off. Dom and Brian realize that part of their plan is also going to have to involve they got to get some fast cars. And and one of the most brilliant moves Justin Lin does in this entire movie. You think he's setting up for a street race. There's all this buildup. And they cut. They already win the cars because you know Dom's going to win. Ugh, I like, fucking He doesn't waste this. your time. I hated this. I did too. I get the, the impetus to subvert what you're expecting. Totally get it. But the one car race we do get is fucking terrible. Yep. And that's that's my problem with this whole thing. Again, they go to the street race, of course, in Brazil. Everybody knows fucking Dom all over the fucking world. Everyone knows Dom. He's the Dom father. Of course they do. Yeah, of course. So he shows up. They get into a street race. They're seeing all these hot bitches fucking walking around with booty shorts and all that stuff. It's fantastic. Good eye candy. It's good to be back. Or whatever the fuck they said. <laughs> it's just terrible dialogue. <laughs> and of course, you know, Brian with a shitty grin the entire time doesn't say anything. <laughs> Come on. You know that Dodge has never seen taillights. Okay, we got it. You're the best, Dom. <laughs> well, it's kind of hard because the cop lights shine off his chrome dome. <laughs> blinds everybody else well, that, that happens definitely with all of the names they call people in this movie how did they not call him mr clean one time <laughs> yeah he's got the white t-shirt too yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm just saying <laughs> that's a great call <laughs> yeah, think of that yet. so they get some cars because they have to beat the security cameras that are they, you know they got four cameras 100 degrees so they gotta all right i'm gonna ask the question so we see that they have to kind of skirt through a tight corner you mean to tell me they didn't call well i guess they couldn't because of the, the chronology but lucas black oh because you would think yeah, yeah. drifting would be a big or at least han would do it you would think han yeah. would yeah yeah i was gonna say han's well han's not in talk tokyo yet apparently oh, he hasn't learned point. it yeah he hasn't oh, learned that right. skill <laughs> but no. I, I i don't know if it's a callback or not i mean do we even see han drift in tokyo drift I don't think so. No, no, he teaches him how to do it, like by not sitting. Yeah, by shotgun. saying he's, he's standing on the road, saying "Do it again, do again, it again." again. <laughs> yeah. He's Miyagi-san. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So they can't beat these security cameras, and this is one thing that I think breaks heist convention is that this is something they can't beat, so they stop trying after a certain point. They just say "fuck it." Uh, speaking of "fuck it," we get to stealing part and parcel from Ocean's Eleven. They buy another fake safe mm-hmm. that I'm sure will not be involved in the climax of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Chekhov's Blake's safe, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Hobbs, you know, he's still on the crew. They're cutting back, but he's technically the villain. He's more of a roadblock. And I don't just say that because that's who Dwayne Johnson played in the G.I. Joe movie. <laughs> oh, who but, is the villain? That's a great question. Who is the villain of this piece? Is it uh, Reyes? <laughs> I think it's Reyes just because everybody in this movie is against Reyes. So maybe he's the main villain, but it's it's a heist movie, and we don't even have any real outlined villain. Yeah, you'd think the villain just would get more screen good. time, right? Like the villain you, would not have equal screen time, but he would have a lot more screen time, Reyes. 
Yeah. If that if that was the true villain, but we're seeing a lot more mm-hmm. of Hobbes than, than exactly him. Well, Hobbes is more of a threat, to be perfectly honest. Because let's be honest, he's coming from us. You know, he's US of A, so he's got more jurisdiction. That's right. So the aforementioned scene that we talked about, Giselle and Han go to infiltrate, and she takes off what she's wearing, goes full bikini, slaps her on the ass, and that's how they get the fucking handprint to, to activate the safe. Jeez. Beautiful. What's not beautiful for the crew is that once they get back, they think everything's great. Turns out Hobbs has red flagged everyone on the crew, so none of them can escape the people's elbow of justice mm. uh, when it comes down. Uh, we haven't even mentioned the love interest of what we think is going to be The Rock, but it actually ends up being Tom, which I guess we'll get to at the end of this podcast. But yeah. she's just kind of in the back of her, you know? She's not even that integral part. And when you look at her, it's like, wow, she's going to be going for The Rock because of how strong-willed he is, how much he owns the screen. But at the very end, nope, she goes to Daddy Tom. Of course. You know who else goes to Daddy Dom? Hobbs goes on his turf because Dom's like, hey, let's go outside. He's Captain Latin America, apparently, because the entire underground of Brazil is like, yeah, fuck you, Hobbs. We all got guns, too. We're, we'll gun down U.S. mandated agents if we have to to save one guy in a white tank top. And, of course, did- this is the this is the scene that was when stuff started coming out about Vin Diesel and The Rock, which we'll get to next podcast. But this was the scene that was on all those fucking articles that was a sh- that were showing up with Don with his arms outstretched. And here comes The Rock just in his face. And so I, I, I get a question. Why didn't Hobbs just pull out his gun, his giant sidearm that he has on his leg that he Sorry originally did? No, that he originally <laughs> did in the in the first scene where he shows up in the favelas. And he pulls out the he pulls out his gun and everybody backs down. Or did we not get to that scene yet? No, that's during the the chase when they first go after him. Right. So why didn't he just pull out his gun and everybody fucking backs down like they did before? Because he would have been shot to death. But he would have been shot to death the first time because all those dudes pulled out <laughs> guns too. Because it was a it's very similar scene to Brian and Mia going into the favelas. You know, like all these dudes yeah. come out, they all got their guns. Mm-hmm. It was the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then fucking Hobbs pulls out his gun and they all back down. Why didn't you do that? Makes no sense. What also doesn't make sense is, oh my God, the rock sweats like a madman. Every close-up oh, on Jesus. him looks like he just finished running a marathon. My wife was like, why is he so shiny in every scene? There's a scene, the, when the, the scene where they're taking apart the car, shiny as fuck. Shiny <laughs> as fuck. My wife's like, what's going on? They just keep on oiling him up? I'm like, I don't know. They're in an auto body shop, it looks like, so why not? Plus Rio's notoriously hot so mm-hmm. and he's wearing like full tactical gear even though i saw at the end credits i think they did film in real for a bit but a lot of it was shot in atlanta i guess so <laughs> i don't know it's just the jesus part atlanta, was shot. just the Rio jesus part yeah. <laughs> yeah. just the jesus part was in was in atlanta that's atlanta right there the helicopter fucking jesus shot <laughs> So they realize the cameras aren't working, so they say, fuck it, let's just steal cop cars, and this is where we get the race that you guys both hate, where they just drag race for a quarter mile for a billion dollars a pop. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Matt, me and Alex have come out against this. During that whole spiel, you've remained quiet. You're telling me you like this scene? It's 30 seconds. I don't give a shit. You know, if you remove it, it doesn't bother me. The fact that it's there, I take it for what it is. I also like the payoff where he says, Dom lets you win. Because that plays off the fact that he's never actually beaten him in a race. But the thing is, if you take this out, it means not. It, it doesn't affect the story at all. That's kind of my point. No, you're right. I will admit it's less annoying than it was last film. 
mm-hmm. you know, it, it's way less annoying. But if you remember the, the last film, I'm like, God, these guys shouldn't be doing this. You know, it's not as big a spectacle. It's just like they're stopped and they're like, let's go ahead and do this. Okay, let's go. But at the same time, it, it doesn't. Yeah, there's a payoff at the end of the movie. But it, if you take this out, it means it means nothing. Matt, I could have done without it. Yes, they just stole four fucking cop cars and now they're yeah. drag racing. It's like rubbing it into the local police's faces. <laughs> well, well, apparently in Rio, all the cops stop working after 8 o'clock, which is why none of them go after them. That's true. They're like, oh shit, it's after curfew. We'll wait till tomorrow. <laughs> I guess we'll figure out that tomorrow. <laughs> right, guys? All right, let's go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of wait till tomorrow, we see Mia the next day. She's out shopping. They bring Vince back into the movie because he kind of took his ball and went home after Dom told him to get out of there. Oh, that was you such know, a, a great... convenient. Yeah, it is. It is. It was such a great daddy-dom scene, too. It's such a great dom-father scene because Vince and Brian start immediately fighting. Where the fuck were you? Shut the fuck up. I don't like your tone. And then da- daddy has to come in and like, Brian, take a break. And then, of course, he does. And now here we have Vince coming back like, um, uh, hey, dad, um... <laughs> I know you have a team already. And he's like, oh, you're saying grace. And it's like, oh, thanks, dad. Thanks. I mean, me and my wife were coming up with all kinds of dialogue for Daddy Dom in this one. Because it is heavy. It is like every fucking scene. (laughs) This Vince one is hilarious, though, because he just comes back fucking uh, tail between his legs and everything. So the gang's all here. They're all celebrating because they've revealed that Brian and Mia are going to have a kid. When Hobbs shows up like the fucking Kool-Aid man and he's taking no prisoners and we get what we all knew was going to happen in the movie. We knew there was going to be a Rock of Diesel fight. And these two guys, pardon my French, beat the fuck out of each other. Oh, my God. I mean, this is what you want to see with two big dudes going at it. They're fucking throwing each other through walls. They're banging heads off of pipes and shit. I mean, I like this fight a lot. I do, too. I, I, I'm digging it. I, do, I also do like, and guys, you're going to be proud of me for catching this, the fact that he has a wrench, and yep. um, mm-hmm. he had mentioned that he was busted for beating up the guy who killed his dad by beating him up with a wrench, mm-hmm. and we're going to see it again, but he stops himself. I thought that was a nice little addition, too, a nice little mm-hmm. callback. Yeah, I dug this yeah. fight a lot. It was, you know, I mean, come on. It's just so testosterone-heavy. I mean, it, you, you knew it was coming, and this has been boiling for, uh, what are we, about an hour and 40 minutes in or something. Right, yeah. It worked. Yeah, I dug it. That's great. I don't have to watch King Kong versus Godzilla this Friday. I can just, <laughs> you know, you know, I could watch this on a loop and be satisfied. Little do we know that the fighting would go off camera as well. Yeah, but and, that didn't and, start until the next film, I thought. I thought they were okay. No, you're and, right. Yeah. You're right. But a spoiler alert, Dom can't lose in his contract. So even though they kind of reside, he still lets himself be arrested. So Dom, Mia, Brian, Vince, they all get arrested. They're being transported to the U.S., when their convoy gets attacked by Reyes' men. From here on out, the movie becomes a full-blood action movie for the last, like, 30 to 40 minutes. You know, when you said that this thing had a budget of 125, I was actually stunned that it wasn't more because they destroy at least 100, 150 cars in this thing. And, again, Lynn has said that he wanted to go more practical than anything, so most of this is practical. They had to get all these cars and destroy them. God, this thing is this all-out action in the mm-hmm. last half. And I'm not complaining, by the way. Again, when cars are getting destroyed, I'm kind of digging this movie. But it was so fucking excessive, I thought for sure it was over 125 mil. Yeah, there, there's two shots in particular that I absolutely love, and they have to do with rocket launchers. 
Mm-hmm. It's the uh, very yeah. first one where where Hobbs notices it, and you see that really cool, like a, the perspective coming right at you. And the other one is right before, or as the rocket launcher is is, is shot, and Hobbs just from the impact just flies backwards. And then I like how that plays out too, because then he just sees his team getting cut down. It's a really good scene that actually kind of deserves to be in some kind of other war movie or something like, you know, some other bigger combat movie that's better than this fucking one. (laughs) But, uh, you know, he's just on the ground, this big fucking hulking agent who has a team that he's seen get cut down one by one. And the shot of him looking over and seeing his buddies trying to crawl over to get to him, and he sees one grenade go down, he sees another grenade, and he just knows that guy is fucking dead to rights. I really like that scene a lot. Mm-hmm. It's great. And you kind of need it to buy the fact that Hobbs willingly breaks the law with them for the third act of this movie. Yeah, but even that doesn't it doesn't justify what Hobbs <laughs> does from here on out, honestly. Yeah, well, uh, well, th- this franchise proves that being a cop or any U.S. government official means nothing yeah. compared to honor and serving the Dom father. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. That That's, right. yeah, that's the first law for sure. It's the father, the son, and the holy Dom father. <laughs> that's the um, it's the mantra of, the, of this series. But speaking of mantras, they kill off Vince. Uh, he gets shot. He says, I named my son after you because, of, of course, course, you, you know, know, you got <laughs> to pay tribute to the Dom father. Of course he does. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember at all future sequels. I never believe that anybody is dead in this series. <laughs> no, he, he's fucking dead. He's dead. Okay, he doesn't come. He's back. dead. Okay, so he's not gonna. He's not even gonna come back in the one that's being released this year. Like he's not even coming back in that. Unless my cloning theory is proved. Okay, I wasn't believing that he was dead because we'll get a reveal in the mid credits at the end of this movie that from this point I'm like God. There's no fucking way anybody in this series is dead. But you're telling me from here on out he's dead. Yeah. So you know the gang's like, what do we do? Go finish the mission. Hobbs is like, let's go kill that son of a bitch because fuck the law, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. They're like, all right, I'm, I'm tired of running. So now we get the big, not even a heist anymore. They just break in and hook the safe to the two cars and drag the safe across Rio for 10 minutes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, this Again. is... And this I is, fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> th- this is a smash and grab. This is more of a smash and grab and less of a heist. It's a hit and run. Mm, yeah, and these guys, they could have done... Again, I'll, I'll keep reiterating it. They could have done without the whole Ocean's Eleven bullshit of putting this team together. These two could have done this themselves. But mm-hmm. the scene itself, fucking spectacular. I love the irony of it going through a bank. That yeah. was, that was, <laughs> yeah. that was yeah, great. Yeah. And I even like... You know what? I'll even give Georgiana Brewster some uh, props here, too. When she's on the other end and she's like, they're saying that you guys went through a bank. Is that true? Like She's, she's like in just as much <laughs> awe as us watching the film, you know, Mm -hmm. as she's calling it out. This is good stuff. Yep, true. What's also great is they show people running out for the building completely gets demolished. So once again, Justin Lin understands collateral damage more than Zack Snyder. Oh, yeah. That's not a high bar. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I watched the Snyder cut recently, and I want to take as many pot shots as I can for wasting four hours of my time again. Michael Bay had more fucking subtlety when it came to destruction than... Oh, than this Snyder, is pretty much but... the ending of Bad Boys 2. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I was going to call that out, too. This is Bad Boys 2, 2. You know? I mean, that's what this it's, is. It's Bad Boys 2 squared. Uh-huh, absolutely. And that's not a complaint. If you remember from that podcast, I even complimented that scene as well. I do dig this final action scene a lot. It's all just good stuff. When cars are being smashed, I am having a good time. 
And you say that the other people weren't needed for the heist. Given the switcheroo, they could not have pulled this off without a team to intercept it. Yes. They well, unless they, you know, they could have paid off some locals, which they probably couldn't have done considering they all rely on Reyes for their livelihood. I don't know. Just saying. I think it, for as much of when Hobbs realizes what's happened and they go through the, the you know, the flashback scenes, oh, this is what actually happened. They did the old switcheroo and this, this, and that. Why not include a little shot of the boys with the vault that has the actual cash in it? Yeah. Because then they just end up there and everyone's fucking rich and happy. That's great. But, you know, they painstakingly went through the chase and everything. But then the actual getaway is like, are we supposed to expect to believe that two other fucking cars are dragging another vault through the streets of Rio? Fucking weird. Just include one little shot. That would make me happy. I mean, even more happier than I already am. What also makes me happy is the shit-inning grin that Hobbs has when he realizes that he's been duped. Mm -hmm. The chase ends with them on the highway. Dom lets Brian off the hook, so he's the only one dragging the safe. But Brian, nice callback to the beginning of the movie. He says, I had to make a call. He comes back and shoots the henchman guy. And then Hobbs just shoots Reyes. I was just about ready to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do like that character beat of we've seen this dude just, I mean, he owns the screen every time he's on, right? He's doing the whole Tommy Lee Jones monologue when he's first introduced. And he's got the big fight with Dom. He owns this. And this does seem like something he would do. Just kind of walks by. And this is a PG-13 movie, by the way depending on what cut you see. But this is a PG-13 movie. And yet this dude who has caused him so much shit, he walks by and just shoots him right on the ground. I thought that was a fucking great character. Yeah, yeah. So with Ray is dead, Hobbs tells him, I still gotta, can't let you guys get away with this. But because this is a Hollywood movie, he says, I'll give you a 24-hour head start, but you gotta leave the money. And my Wouldn't you check the vault before you let them leave? And the whole goodwill I had towards the end of this movie is done with that one line. That was mm-hmm. fucking stupid. It is so Hollywood to just say, yeah, you guys, you guys have broken the law. You guys have done so much uh, damage here. And you've been a pain in my ass. And I've been looking for you this entire movie. But I'll go ahead and give you 24 hours. Go, go, go. Speaking of goodwill, how, how much of the goodwill is because Hobbs could have been killed? He, he could have been killed by the Dom father's wrench, you know, the famed wrench. <laughs> uh-huh. He could have killed him with that. He did save him. Dom father saved. That's, that's what Dom fathers do. They save people. He saved him from being killed by Reyes's men in the favela. I'm just yeah. playing devil. I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I don't. Well, I don't this really is a franchise that's all about manly, the manly honor system. So yeah. I buy it. <laughs> I yeah, bought it. I, I mean, bought it for too. the context of this series. Like, I what, what else am I going? Con- what else yeah. am I going to compare it to? Because the the end of the first movie, he lets him go too. Yeah, exactly. The juvenile writing of this series, yes. I can go with it. That's perfect with yeah. where we are. But any logical sense. I'll go ahead and say Tommy Lee Jones wouldn't let Harrison Ford go if he was in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he said, the guy told him, I didn't kill my wife. And he goes, I don't care because yeah, yeah he, exactly. still has the, he still has the same basic tenet of what Hobbes says himself at the beginning of the film. You're just a couple of assholes on my, on my sheet or on my mm-hmm. desk or whatever he says. Yep. So the vault's empty. Everyone takes their share of the money. Tej opens up his garage like he said he would. Tyrese spends it on a car that Tej also buys. Han and Giselle are just driving across the country fucking. <laughs> yeah. Yep. What was the chemistry here? I kind of respect it because, you know, we have this Israeli girl being with this Asian guy. And by the way, we haven't even mentioned Gal Gadot except for that one scene she had. There's a reason. Um, 
yeah, but there's no heat between these two whatsoever. Like, I, I don't find feel any chemistry between them. Yeah. I did kind of like the idea of putting them together. And speaking of no heat, I mean, when, when we get to Dom and his girl, it's like, Jesus Christ. The only reason she's with him is because he's a Dom father. It's the only reason. Yep. There's no conceivable reason that that local Brazilian police officer needs to fucking be with Dom. He's not yeah. charming. He's just a big, muscly dude. I mean, maybe that's her type. Who, who You know, we don't know who her fucking husband was. But yeah. He was an honorable fucking cop that she immediately just throws her her entire morality out the window to go with the Dom father. Well, husband's been dead for two years. You know what? That's and a good she point. she saw her superior officer also bow down to the Dom father. You know what? My wife wouldn't be in the ground before I was hooking up with some other bitch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, different strokes for different folks is what I'm saying. Everybody has their own thing. So speaking of their own thing, me and Brian, they've sort of... I don't know. They're living on the beach, I guess. Dom and Elena shows up and Brian says, hey, how about one more race as the movie ends? But if you thought the Marvel Universe was the only ones to do post credit scenes, we get one here. I think this is the first, technically the first one in the series that they do mm, post credit scene for. They did it in uh, Tokyo Drift. Yeah, I thought they did it in Tokyo Drift. Also. No, that was, but that was before the credits when Vin oh, Diesel shows up. Okay. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Speaking of people showing up, you see this Hobbs uh, is sitting in his office, and who shows up? But Eva Mendez of all people. Eva fucking Mendez comes mm-hmm. back. Yeah, she does. I I forgot that she was back. I thought maybe she was a one and done and too fast, too furious. But no, here she is. She's back. Garrett, this is this is a lived in world. It's a three dimensional world. You know, they're gonna bring characters back. It's no big deal. <laughs> I, I, I know, but I thought that was the black. I guess Tokyo Drift is the Black Eyed series. Man, you're going to bring back a chick from one of the worst fucking sequels ever? Oh, the reason why uh, they brought her back is, the I, I believe the first shot is like, or maybe the second shot, because she's walking up to Hobbs' desk. And then the next shot is her leaning over the, the desk Oh yeah, with her perfect ass in that skirt. And then she just, you know, crosses her legs, Sharon Stone style, on the, on the mm-hmm. desk. Tells him to look over this file. He's like, I'm not interested. He's like, you should be. And he flips through. And apparently Letty is not dead because there's a photograph of her. And that's how the movie ends on a big cliffhanger. So, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> more like Dom, 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 Dom. <laughs> All right, boys. Time to pay respects to the Dom father. That joke's never going to get old people. Sorry. Never. You come to me on the day that my car is to be drove off into the sunset. So, boys, on a scale of 1 to 10, what do you give Fast Five? I'm going to go to Garrett on this one first. You know, I'm going to start on one end of the street, but I'll end up right back where I start. Hold tight for a second, boys. Mm-hmm. At the gym today, I listened to an album by one of my favorite bands, Garbage, called Beautiful Garbage. And little did I know when I rewatched this movie today how much that describes the movie that I was about ready to review later on in the day. This movie has just as many plot problems, just as many acting problems as past movies in this franchise. But they have a a lot more money to work with. And what do you know? They have some beautiful garbage going on. It's the definition of it. I mean, there's not much substance here. Believe it or not, even though I've been harsh on this movie, because that's what this podcast is about. It's about nitpicking where you can nitpick. I still had a pretty decent time with it, as long as we didn't get many more Dom father monologues. And shots of Jesus right before we cut to Dom. That stuff just <laughs> irked me. The final stinger didn't get me as hyped for the next film as the last stinger did. But I still had a pretty good time with this. Best in the series? 
Uh, not a high bar to jump, but yeah, I'll go ahead and go with that. Even though I had a pretty decent time with Tokyo Drift, I want to give it the same exact score I gave Tokyo. Can't go higher than a seven. So seven on ten for Fast Five. Wow, nice. Ooh, seven on ten from Garrett will be Hobbs. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> He's got the height. Yeah, he does. <laughs> so Alex, what about you, sir? Oh boy! Again, we have to. I'm going to be reviewing it, giving my rating for it through the. Very cool Fast and Furious lenses that I picked up today. They're mirrored. I can see everything. They're fantastic. They're perfect for when I drive. This is the best of the series so far. You know, we got a few more films left. You know, I was a fan of the first film. I think that, you know, leading up to Fast Five, that was the best of the series so far. Very surprised by Tokyo Drift. Fast Five, it got that shot in the arm like we talked about with Dwayne Johnson. And they committed to their progression to uh, just full-on heist movies instead of just uh, race movies. And I like that because how many fucking race movies for a franchise can you actually have? They wound up finding their path through the whole race movie genre, subgenre, and just went with the heist movies. Uh, and I like that. Um, I like that they set up Dwayne Johnson, you know, with some pretty great 80s-style villain-esque lines. And I just, I remember watching this in the theater and I'm not going to say I was blown away by it, but you know, those action scenes on the big screen are, <laughs> they're money. They're great. I love it. The the daddy Dom stuff, the Dom father, Paul Walker is just still awful. All of the plot holes are just terrible, but I'm not looking for any of that. I'm not looking for cohesion in this. I want to pick these apart. I want to, I want to be floored by spectacle. When I sit down and watch these movies... I'm connecting with like the true movie fan in me that loved going to action movies as a kid. Loved going to see fucking Schwarzenegger movies and Stallone movies. You know, all those great 80s movies uh, and 90s movies. So that's really where my love for this series comes from. Just pure spectacle movie, popcorn movie kind of thing. So for me, this is an 8 just because of the spectacle. It's the longest film we've seen in the series so far. And I didn't really mind that too much. You know, we get we get a lot of downtime. We get some awful monologues. We get some interaction between characters that's just fucking downright awful. But I still fucking love it just because I'm not I'm, I'm not coming to a Fast and the Furious movie for that shit. Coming for the spectacle. And even with the 80s and 90s action movies that I love, I love picking those movies apart because one, they're not perfect movies and I don't think they ever were trying to be. So yeah, I'm going to give it an eight. It's it's pretty high. It's pretty ridiculous. I understand that, but uh, I'm still going to stand by it. I'm going to stand loud and proud, wave my schlock master flag. This is one of those movies that we always talk about franchises hitting their stride. And I never thought a fifth movie is where I could say that about a Fast and Furious franchise this is hollywood blockbuster filmmaking at its best if you ask me in the sense that a blockbuster that doesn't require you to think too hard without insulting your intelligence and without browbeating you with either terrible jokes or just an onslaught of action i think it's a pretty damn good mix as far as the humor goes you know there's a lot of exposition in this movie but it, it doesn't slow down the pacing at all last you know 30 minutes it's pure adrenaline like this is Taking a franchise from one direction and making you go, oh, this is really probably what should have been all along. So I don't have much in the way of complaints in the context of this series. And I feel like I have to use that caveat almost every single time. Because I don't think I could compare this to something like, I don't know, 
Mad Max Fury Road, even though Garrett did earlier. That movie's got a lot more on its mind than just the action scenes. I think this film does, but only on the technical level, not necessarily subtext or anything like that. So I do think it's the best up to this point, although I don't think it's a landslide because I'm the person who really likes the fourth one. So I'm going to do something I've never done in the history of the show, Garrett, in the six years that we've been doing this. I'm going to give a 0.5 in my score. I'm going to go 8.5 because I do think it's better than the fourth. Wow. I was going to say, you know, before you went into your diatribe, I was just like, is he actually going to go higher than an eight, which you gave last movie? Would, where you go? But you did eight point five, huh? Nice. Yeah. So I, I caved. I went six years without doing a point five. If there was a franchise I was going to bend the rules for, it's this one because much like the laws of physics, I'm going to bend all the rules I can with the series. Wow. <laughs> I love it. Speaking of bending the rules, boys, Fast Six is almost upon us. How did this break the rules? Well, only in the sense that it made even more money than this one did. Unbelievable. It's fucking money. Wow. It's unbelievable. I remember one thing about next week, and that's the tank. That's the only thing I remember next week. So, look, I know that this is kind of the opposite of the Star Trek series, right? Where the odd ones are looked at the stronger ones and the evil ones are looked at as the weaker ones. Um, so I don't remember too many good things about next week's movie. But given the context I've been watching these in, I have had a better time than I was expecting. And uh, maybe next week will surprise. Uh, who knows? But that's the only thing I remember was the tank scene. So, Alex, what about you? Were, were you excited for Fast 6? Oh, yeah, yeah, especially knowing that uh, The Rock comes back and, you know, how much I enjoyed Fast Five. Yeah, I was definitely looking forward to it. I don't know if this was the, let's see, no, it wouldn't have been the first one I saw in the theater. But this was one I had a pretty strong reaction to. And Garrett, you're right, it's got reverse Star Trek syndrome, where most people consider the odd number ones to be better. So we'll see if if this one breaks the trend. But, boys, we've reached the halfway mark, as I mentioned. We have five movies to go. Garrett, I hope this has not been as much of a chore as you thought it would be. No. As I said, this has not been as painful as I was expecting, honestly. And I've been having a better time. Again, I think the first time I went through this series, when I was going through all these action scenes, I'm like, Jesus Christ, are they ever going to fucking stop? And, of course, at this point, the movie was over two hours. I'm like, is this ever going to end? I was just getting through it when I was watching them for that seventh movie back in 2015. This time, I'm watching it with a more keen eye. I'm, I'm paying more attention to it. And I'm ha- having a better time than I expected, honestly. I, I see what a lot of people see in the series now, where, as I mentioned in my review, it's beautiful garbage, right? Mm-hmm. And I see the art behind what Justin Lin has been doing since he took over the reins of the series. And I think Justin Lin was what this series needed. He's done remarkable things, which all the things I've been complaining about could have been much worse under worse hands. So... Um, and that pretense, I've actually had a much better time than I was expecting. Nice. It's good to hear because I know, <laughs> as I said, I've been trying to do this for years and I, I finally got my wish. So for a franchise all about family, listeners, if you want to join our binge family, come into our inner familia, you know, serve the Dom father, so to speak. Subscribe to our Patreon at bingemedia.com slash binge media. While I can't guarantee you'll get a sit down with Vin Diesel, you will be able to listen to a four hour full version of the binge cast. Get invites to our monthly hangouts over on Discord, drink recipes, movie homework, some other new content that might be coming down the pipe. So a lot of good stuff for just five bucks a month. So hope that you guys can get to know our family a little bit better. Although hopefully we we don't scare you away like Vin Diesel, I'm sure. I guarantee you none of us has egos as big as Vin Diesel. Well, maybe somebody, but we'll see. (laughs) 
All right, boys. Until next week when we talk about Fast 6. When are you going to give Martin Luther King his car back? So you should give Rick James his podcast back. Thanks, guys. We hit the room, me and my crew, and it was cool until we bumped into you. Which one of these things is a dollar? The Binge Aftertaste is produced by Garrett and Matt. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. I'll have the tuna. No crust. No crust. So now we got cars flying in the air on some 007 type shit? This is not what we do. I feel like the sky is falling down. Ain't nobody here to play around. Push it to the edge, I won't back down. Cause it's time to go hard and go home. One way up, no way out. I give it all, all for the family. We stay up, no bailouts. Voice narration done by Adam. Edited by Garrett. You know what DK stands for? Donkey Kong. Drift King. That could have been my forehead, man. No, that's not as big as your forehead. I used to say I lived my life a quarter mile at a time. And I think that's why we were brothers. Because you did too. like the series in spite of him. He's also got a whole Hogan thing in his contract can't lose clean. Say that again, Matt. You kind of cut out. Say okay. Sorry. He also has a Hulk Hogan contract where he cannot lose clean. <laughs> Jesus. And that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already have one wrestler in this. Let's not make a comparison <laughs> to another. <laughs> well, yeah. well, he is sort of, you know what I mean. <laughs>
Yeah, it's it's like our, it's like every binge get together. Exactly. Like, exactly. We talk shit, but yet we hug it out. Like it's just, it's just one of those things where it just <laughs> feels so a million dollar question. Grace who would her. be who? Oh boy. Who would be? Oh, oh no. no. Law's yeah, dumb because podcast. he's got the yeah. Law's dumb. I think we could start there. Yeah, he's hair <laughs> follically <laughs> challenged. That's the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, between Tyrese, Vin Diesel, and The Rock. And then they're going to bring in Jason Statham later on. Mm -hmm. This might as well be a fucking commercial for Rogaine. What also makes me happy is the shit-inning grin that Hobbs has when he realizes that he's been duped. Mm -hmm. Before that, before that, I mean, mean, are we at the end yet or no? Are we at... When the are we still going through the chase or where are you at right now, well, Matt? Because well, I was just gonna say that you know the the chase ends with them on the highway. Boys, on a scale of one to ten, what do you give Fast Five? I'm gonna go to Garrett on this one first. Oh wow, first, huh? All right, I want to start. Well, on you showed your hand already. You said it in the well, first I, I ten fucking minutes. It. I actually have it. Give me, give me a little bit here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to the Binge Media Podcast Network at BingeMedia.net. Support the show by donating on Patreon at Patreon.com slash BingeMedia. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And don't forget... Shut up! I'm waiting.